The Cohesit Inn, 226 Cohesit Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Cohesit Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Cohesit Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Cohesit Inn. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Just click that Listen Live button. Well, the uh, mild weather continues, folks, as we are making our way. This is the last. I'm not. Boy, this has been a tough month, hasn't it? Especially the South Shore. Last full week of January on this Thursday. It is January 26th. Now, a couple of updates. We are going to give you the latest with this um the case out of Duxbury is uh, is really just brutal. Boston Globe has a tremendous story about it this morning, and I'm going to talk about it. But just some of the key elements that I found in this particular article, some of the key parts of this that came out. Now, a lot of people have seemingly said that this mother should have been getting help, but it's now starting to come out that apparently she was very in intensive treatment for postpartum depression. And Cheryl Meyer, psychology professor at Wright State University, others mothers who essentially take the lives of their children, recalled interviewing one such woman who also tried to kill herself. The mother told her killing her children felt logical because they were an extension of her as if they were a limb. In rare cases, this, in fact, one out of two, 1,000 postpartum women, depression can lead, in fact, to psychosis in which a woman's brain is hijacked. Really, really serious illness that distorts reality, says Dr. Nancy Byatt, uh, UMass Chan Medical School. Dr. Susan Hatters-Friedman, again, this is the Boston Globe story. Professor, research parents take the lives of their children talked about the different motives but this element of and it sounds so bizarre folks because it murder out of love it sounds strange it does parents have delusions that their children face a fate worse than death such as being kidnapped murdered believe killing them gently is a preferable parents who are planning suicide may not want to leave their child in a world they perceive too horrible to live in i know some people may dismiss it i'm merely sharing what is written in in fact the boston globe story says parents may actually think god is commanding them to do that so again now we've also uh heard from some of our friends uh, or just women that that some individuals that happen to know the couple i i i communicated with someone that said the, the husband here in duxbury was actually working from home so you wonder if maybe she should have been in a hospital. And the way I interpreted that was it was so extreme that, that, that she could not be left alone with the children. He left to just go get the takeout food. But that was, you know, the only amount of time that it took. Now, there's also conflicting reports. Someone sent me a message. This is terrible. She couldn't get an appointment till May. 
Well, that doesn't seem to make sense because someone, a, a better source said she was in very intensive, I, I think treatment like five days a week. So again, I want to point out, um, there was also, as the, again, I want to credit Boston Globe, their coverage on this. Right now, she is um, under police guard at a Boston hospital, of course, the wake of the murder charges. And we still know, have no word on that little seven-month-old son who seemingly is clinging to life right now. So now, in the Dolan trial, Officer Dolan, one of the jurors has COVID. So an alternate juror has to be called in and then they have to start the proceed their uh, jury deliberations all over again. So I saw someone put out today's day two of the deliberations. That's actually not accurate. That's also someone who has not set foot in the courtroom. But um, no, they have to. They do in fact have to um, start all over, and because there were alternate jurors there, right? So you know this COVID thing is serious. Um, we're going to talk with our legal expert, Tim Dodd. I don't know what would happen. I, I don't think that they're going to have to start all over again if another juror uh, comes down with it. So now there's big news, though, as far as Ukraine and with the tanks that are going. I want to start off with this. It's a good piece this morning on GMA shows the force of these Russian missiles. Overnight, we heard and felt loud explosions in the city of Dnipro, Russia firing around 80 missiles and drones, at least four people killed. Energy infrastructure sites hit in southern and western Ukraine. The Russian strikes coming just hours after President Biden announced the U.S. will supply Ukraine with more than 30 Abrams tanks. That move gave Germany cover to pledge Leopard 2 tanks and allow other allies to send 100 of those. Asked if Germany had forced him to supply the Abrams tanks to Ukraine in a deal, President Biden saying we wanted to make sure we were all together. The Abrams won't reach Ukraine soon, but some German leopards could enter this battle zone in a matter of weeks. Guys, we've just seen why Ukraine needs those tanks. We were taken to a military field hospital here in the east. Injured soldiers are being rushed there from the front lines on an almost constant basis. That one hospital receiving dozens of casualties in a single day. This was a kindergarten hit a few days ago. You can see the playground behind me. The distant booms we're hearing constantly telling us the fighting is escalating. Michael? You know, that is remarkable. Now, I also, folks, as I monitor in the morning, uh, and again, you're listening to the John DePietro Show, I monitor all different types of morning television, morning radio. The fact that you have a Boston radio host on the, on the air saying that the tanks are cover and a distraction and a wag the dog for the Biden document situation is the, if that is beyond pathetic that someone is actually allowed to spout that out there and it's the station that I worked at in Boston what it what a, I can't even imagine listing I just tune in just to hear is there actually going to be something about what happened in Duxbury what happened in the Walsh no the Ukraine tanks it's an effort to start World War III as a distraction to the Biden documents. 
What, and, and hold on. And I'm sure eventually I couldn't listen. I This was all within a span of just like five to ten minutes. I'm sure somehow it leads back to Hunter Biden and the, and the laptop. The, the fact what, it it's pathetic that someone is actually broadcasting that. What's even more pathetic is if there's someone that's actually believing that. You know, I'm finding there's more and more people. They, they were kind of living under a rock. And it was either during the Trump presidency or COVID. They've suddenly emerged. I, I think I liked it better when some of these people were living under a rock because they have no idea what they're talking about. It's, it's just conspiracy A to Z. Um, uh, anything that some of these people out there, Stu Peters, the um, I, I'm blanking on some of the other names of them. It's, it's just it's all nonsense. Oh, Gateway Pundit. And then then you have that type of announcement. Now, there is big news regarding the Trump presidency. Looks like the big guy could be coming back to FB. Put out a lengthy statement overnight explaining the company's decision to allow Trump back on Facebook and Instagram. That statement reads in part, the normal state of affairs is that the public should be able to hear from a former president and a declared candidate for that office again on our platforms. Now that the time of the suspension has elapsed, the question is not whether we choose to reinstate Mr. Trump's accounts, but whether there remain such extraordinary circumstances that extending that suspension is justified. They ultimately decided that the risk of Trump uh, provoking more violence had, quote, sufficiently receded to allow him back. And keep in mind, Trump had a combined 60 million followers on Facebook and Instagram. And this was, in some ways, a much more powerful tool for yes. him uh, than Twitter yes. used for fundraising and political advertising. Yep. As one of his former campaign managers said of the 2016 campaign, Twitter was how he talked to the people facebook was how we won uh the company wow. says there are new guardrails this time there are rules that uh, trump must follow and then if he violates those rules his campaign will be suspended again hey it's all good for the platform um but the element of the tanks i'm the boston bulldozer hunter is sending the tanks to distract from the laptop, like, is, is is someone actually believing that foolishness? I'm the Boston bulldozer. It's all QAnon made up nonsense. It's all global. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. Hey, you know who's really getting in deeper? And now it's more serious than just he lied and embellished. It's that George Santos. Um, He apparently... Total uh, Ponzi scheme, and that that's the part that's going to knock him out of office is going to be his legal problems. The guy is beyond a pathological liar. Congressman at the center of controversy, now facing new questions about his campaign finances. No remarks for you guys right now. Just months ago, George Santos reported loaning his campaign more than $700,000 of his own money. But this week, Santos made a change to those filings unchecking the box which indicated most of that money came out of his own pocket by federal law candidates must disclose how they are funding their campaign the long island republican accused of lying about his education and his background has brushed off questions 
Where did it come from? Well, I'll tell you where it didn't come from. It didn't come from China, Ukraine, or Burisma. How about that? It's the equity of my hard working self and I, I've invested inside of me. Santos has still not answered questions about how he was able to donate more than half a million dollars to his campaign after earning 55000 two years earlier. I have no clue what you're talking about, ma'am. I appreciate that. But it's not just reporters looking for answers. Santos is facing multiple investigations. Federal prosecutors are looking into those campaign filings. So are Queens and Nassau County District Attorneys, New York State's Attorney General, and the Federal Election Commission. Santos has admitted to embellishing his resume, but has denied any wrongdoing. And for now, Kevin McCarthy, who relied on his vote to become the next Speaker of the House, is not taking any action against Santos. If for some way, when we go through ethics, that he has broken the law, are you done? then we will remove him. But it's not my role. I believe in the rule of law. A person's innocent to proven guilty. Well, clearly some major inconsistencies here. Santos told us that he would address this controversy over a month ago, but he still has not fully answered our questions. Those investigations are ongoing, and these allegations continue to pile up, guys. You know what's interesting about that is this guy, and I can't even imagine, that was uh, from GMA, uh, I found a story in the New York Times this morning that 100 million, this is just a clip of it, the 100 million that Santos told this person in Trader uh, that he had personally raised for Harbor City did not exist, nor did the close to 4 million that he claimed he and his family invested. So he's approaching this guy. He says, I've raised 100 million. And me and my family um, have put in uh, $4 million of our own money. None of it did. But what stuck out to me in the article is when the, the man contacted him, Santos, and said, I, I need, you know, I'm getting asked some questions here. I need a letter of credit and so forth. How an investor lost 625000 in his faith in George Santos. And he said, it, it's already on the way. Uh, the letter's already on the way. So y y you need it. Like, he would say whatever he needed to say just to get you off the phone. That is a pathological liar. I'm trying to think I have dealt with someone like that one time in the past. It was a while ago. But in the moment, they say whatever it is to just get them through the conversation. But look at how he keeps telling the reporters... You're going to get your briefing tomorrow. I just can't do it today. He has no intentions of doing it the next day. Um, he's not briefing anything. But I think this legal trouble is going to land him indicted and in really serious trouble. Um, and I, I, I understand the, the bind that Kevin McCarthy is in. And he's not wrong, right? Um, we've seen some of the antics on the other side. But... But I think this is the undoing, not the drag, not dressing in drag, not that he said his mother was at ground zero on 9-11, not that he said his grandparents died in the Holocaust. I mean, that, that's it's all fabric fabrications, but that's not what's going to knock him out of office. I believe what's going to knock him out is this SEC stuff, because it sounds very, very serious. It sounds, but it also fits the profile. Rep um Congressman George Santos, he's a, a pathological liar criminal. And I think the the boom is going to come down on him. All right, it's Thursday. We're going to talk with Tim Dodd, our legal expert, right here on the John DePietro Show.
Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 885 4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508 252 3359. Propane Heating and Cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24 7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button and remember all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and now it's renewable call propane plus today at 401-885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508 252-3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401-885-4209. Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, which is dipetro.com. It's time for our legal segment. Joining us right now, he is our legal expert, Rhode Island's top attorneys. It is attorney Tim Dodd. Now, Tim, as we are speaking, and I just want to preface it with the audience, we have a very fluid situation with this Dolan trial. Uh, it's, it's very possible when someone is listening to this, depending on what time of day it is, that the verdict may have come back. Uh, but I still think it would be very useful. Uh, we haven't seen a trial like this in quite some time. But I was in court yesterday. Uh, I can see why it seemed that their only move, and I give credit to Michael Colucci, that he put on his best defense he could. But it, 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 it's difficult when Dolan, I mean, he, his only shot was to take the stand. He did take the stand. And I want to just talk about the trial and your thoughts on this trial. Well, you're, you're right. Mike Colucci is a very good trial lawyer. Um, you you got to play the cards that you're dealt. Sometimes you have a great hand and sometimes not so much. And on this one, I think not so much. I think that the defendant here had nothing to lose but to try the case. I mean, yep. if he took a plea deal, he loses his job. He loses all sorts of benefits. Um you take a crack at this, maybe you win. Um, you know, you would hope to get a juror or two who um, perhaps thinks these kids were punks and perhaps thinks that, you know, we got to support the police. And if you get that right combination, I think the best that would be expected could be a hung jury, but I don't think the jury's going to hang. I think the facts of this case... Um, are abundantly clear. Um, you know, Mike Colucci tried to pitch to the jury during his closing that, you know, this is a law enforcement guy and he's a resource officer and he worries about kids and he wanted to have a talking with these guys because they went by him at such a high rate of speed. And, you know, he wanted to have a father a fatherly discussion with the kids in the car. Uh, the prosecutor stands up and says, What's the defendant talking about? He wanted to yeah. have a fatherly conversation. He shot the driver. This yeah. is a fatherly conversation. And, you know, early in the trial, it was somewhat noteworthy that Mike was doing his best to impeach the credibility of the young men who were in the vehicle, 
Yeah. Uh, try to pick at inconsistencies in their statements. And I think the driver basically said, I'm giving a statement. I got a bullet in my arm. I'm under all sorts of medications um, because this guy just shot me. Um, so even though Mike did uncover some discrepancies and from statements that didn't necessarily hold water, um, you know, I think the prosecution kind of sat back and said, go ahead, try to beat these kids up because we got yeah. a witness waiting to come up here who's going to um, independently say what he saw. And I think the state's independent witness basically croaked the defendant's case. We yes. got a guy who had no skin in the game, who happened to be at the appropriate place at the appropriate time. Yep sees the whole interaction play out and sees that this cop shot into the vehicle from the driver's side, not from the front of the vehicle. And I know on your air, you've said on multiple occasions, if the story was as this cop suggested, he would have shot the windshield, not the side window, and he wouldn't have shot this kid in the arm. So the story, this doesn't make any sense at all. And I think the the, um, the prosecutor in his closing, John Corrigan, who also tries a lot of cases, he's very effective, um, basically said this cop snapped. You know, yeah. rage and anger got the best of him, and he acted out of anger or rage and, you know, not as a concerned off-duty cop trying to have a little heart-to-heart with these young men. That was nothing of the case. No, nothing of the case. And I can't imagine a jury is going to see it the way the defendants tried to pitch it. And again, Mike Colucci did the best he could. He truly did with the uh, can of worms that he was presented with here to try to to defend and make something of it. Um, I don't expect this jury will be out very long. Tim Dodd, um, I was in court. Tuesday when it wasn't Corrigan, but the other prosecutor who is Daniel, is it? Gu- da- Gu- Dan, it's Dan Guglielmo, who's also yeah. a very experienced prosecutor, wow. a very good guy, straight shooter, oh. um, and a good uh, prosecutor. Now, Tim Dodd, I haven't seen anything like that in quite some time. How does it play with the jury? And I'll just come out and say it. It was almost like he was mocking Dolan's version of events. I mean, I was there when he said, you know, I parked tactically so i couldn't he's like you're you're acting like it's al-qaeda in afghanistan it's three teens in west greenwich we you have no jurisdiction at all you had no authority to be there like what are you talking about how do you think that that plays with the jury i think it played well because you know the the defendant's trying to you know in his you know when he was put on direct examination by defense counsel trying to portray himself like, you know, this, you know, white knight who's coming along to try to, you know, give the the young men some guidance and a fatherly talk. And he was concerned about their safety because he's a resource officer. Yeah. But, you know, besides him trying to pat himself on the back, telling the jury what a good guy he is, um, I think Dan Guglielmo's cross-examination just eviscerated the yeah. defendant's story. It just didn't hold water. Now, Tim Dodd, I'm also curious, when they did have, and the witness they had, 
the guy, he lives in Coventry. He works in Connecticut for the Defense Department. And as much as Michael Colucci was trying to say, well, in your statement, you kind of indicated this so that he, he was adamant about, I know what I saw. He was on the driver's side, and just as I was going by, I saw him uh, draw his weapon, pull it out. Then we heard the pop. No matter how much Colucci was trying to get him to like change his story, but the prosecutors were not objecting to that, and they, they let this play out. And the jurors did see, no matter how much he tried, he could not get this man to, to change his mind. Did they not object for fear that maybe it would draw like what what's the maybe the strategy where you're you're not saying anything and you continue to allow Colucci to go after because I I believe this I agree this was the pivotal witness well the witness hung in there he stood his ground he said I know what I saw Um, he couldn't be shaken from that testimony no and you know sometimes it's it's, it's a hard balance when you're trying the case, when you're the lawyer uh, for one side or the other, to know when to object from a human nature standpoint and when yep. not to object. And sometimes when the other side's digging themselves a hole, you stand back and you let them do it and you don't object. Okay. If if the prosecution had objected, you know, he's badgering the witness or the form of the question is not yeah, right. I, I've seen where they stop and say, Your Honor, I asked answered. Like, how many more times is he going to ask that? But that did not, I, Tim Dodd, that did not happen when I was in the courtroom. But, but no, go ahead. And, and that's the sign of an experienced prosecutor okay. who's going to stand back and let um, – the defense counsel beat up on a witness who is not going to be shaken from his testimony. No, I think at the end of the examination, um, if you keep going after this witness and he stands his ground, it almost reinforces to the jury that this man is an independent, credible, honest witness. Mm. Um, You know, that he knows what he saw. He was quite specific. Um, he didn't take the bait with any of Mike's questions. No. And, you know, that's sometimes the prosecution. If you start objecting, you know, the jury might say, well, what don't you want us to hear about from this guy? You know, what are you trying to protect him against? What are you objecting for? So mm. they just let it all come in and let Mike, you know, unfortunately, sometimes you flail away and you don't land any punches. And I don't think with that witness, um, the defense landed any punches any punches at all no and one uh, more more part before we take a quick break now tim dodd it is an unknown that it's it's very possible that in going through you know this trial that that you could end up with a juror that would say hey you know here you have these young teens and they're in an audi and they were going over 100 miles an hour on on 95 and you know that that takes real nerve and here's this guy who is a police officer who goes to approach him, and then they take off on him. So is it possible if, in fact, you reach someone like that, that, that maybe one of the charges doesn't get? Or is it, uh, is it all like package that, 
it's not like they're not going to find him not guilty on like one or two of the charges. Well, no, I mean, I think either he's going to be found guilty on all charges or the jury could hang. Again, if you get that one or more persons on the jury who think these kids are punks and this cop is, you know, having his life destroyed because he was trying to um, stop a bad thing from continuing on. But again, all of this self-glorification by the defendant i was trying to counsel yeah. these young men and they were going too fast and i don't want to see another fatality you know <laughs> that falls apart after he shoots yeah to I mean, and, and the jury was kind of i noticed stickering because as the prosecutor says so and I, i'm not trying to but you so you were trying to didn't want them to maybe hurt themselves and dolan says that's right and he said so you shot him i mean it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't make any sense it's reminiscent of it the only way to save the village was we had to burn it down but and tim dot i want to just go farther i i've heard from a number of different members of law enforcement they have laid out that if they they could be in trouble this is if you were on duty and the guy just like robbed whatever a house committed some kind of crime and he had a weapon on him you could you could then get in trouble for shooting the guy that maybe he's got a weapon but he's not pointing at you and he just committed a robbery and assault whatever. So they're saying that could get an officer in trouble, let alone. I think they did a very good job to him home. You had no jurisdiction there at all. Your badge was no more value. You standing there holding it, stuck at police on New Snicker Hill Road than if somebody had gone to a costume shop and purchased. Badge. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I mean, I think that if this officer's conduct is condoned, um, it sets a very bad precedent going right. forward. You know, yeah. what what's an officer to do? I mean, mm. this guy should have simply called the state police and right. said, "We got a car going at a very high rate of speed on ninety five. Uh, to prevent something bad from happening. Hopefully you've got someone on patrol in the area of blah, blah, blah. They would have pulled these guys over and the, someone with appropriate jurisdiction, the state police could have interceded to the extent necessary. Sure. Not this guy being Rambo. He had yeah. as, no, as you say, no jurisdiction to be there. None. No. Everything he did was inconsistent with, you know, being a police officer and, you know, the only way this would have made any sense if they had had an expert, and I don't believe they did have an expert for the defense, to somehow justify no. this conduct as a police yeah. officer. And I'm sure they couldn't get anyone for, no. any, for any amount of, of money Good to point. come in, and, yes. you know, for no money. You know, I, I don't think any expert worth no. his or her salt would come in for any sum of money no. to try to testify to... Um, somehow say that this conduct was appropriate and consistent yeah. with police training because it's not folks quick break much more ahead our legal expert attorney tim dodd right here on the john DePietro show next time you have an emergency think at med urgent care two locations 1524 atwood avenue johnston that's right in the atwood medical center and also 5750 post road east greenwich right across from felicia's at med urgent care when you have an emergency 
They specialize ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization school and sports physicals. At AtMed Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families. They're on duty at all times. They're open seven days a week. Walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical. Now, if you're in a car accident, go to AtMed Urgent Care. Avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms. They also do adult vaccinations, laboratory testing. AtMed Urgent Care, when it's an emergency, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston. That's right, in the Atwood Medical Center. And also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, online at admedurgentcare.net. We're speaking with our legal expert, it's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, I just want to finish up on the, the Dolan case. If found guilty, is this a jail case? Um, I think because of the high profile nature of it, um, you know, this guy doesn't have a clean record. He's got other charges pending. I don't think he's been found guilty and he hasn't pled. You know, he had that domestic assault and he's yeah. had a couple of other scrapes with the law. Um, I think it would be a jail case. Ooh. And the reason being, he shot a kid. He could have yeah. killed him. I mean, he's caused this kid's got permanent scarring. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got emotional, I'm sure, upset over this. I'm not sure the extent of his medical treatment or his medical bills or his disfigurement, but um, I, I think it's a jail case. Not yeah. a lot of jail time, but some, for sure. And that also, um, now, a Dolan, Officer Dolan, he's off duty. He's he's going 77. They clocked him 77 miles an hour. The truck he's driving is unregistered and he's got a six pack in the in the front seat. So, I, I mean, that kind of to me set the, set the tone right there. I also just want to finish up one thing that um, the prosecutor asked him of you to do anything differently. Dolan said, I, I should have parked in the other side of the parking lot, not right up against them. And then let them go in for the pizza and then when they come out say hey guys just so you know i'm a police officer i saw the speed you were traveling you better you know calm it down now we, he could have called the state police but tim dot here's a question they were able to apparently with these dot cameras map out how fast approximately both dolan was traveling and then the uh, the three youths and and a number of people have asked me if that is the case and they have the ability to do that much like in, you know, these school zones where they have the cameras up, how come they don't institute these types of speed cameras uh, normally on, on the highway? Why, why don't they have that? And then if you exceed a certain speed, boom, it, it zaps your license plate. Well, I, I think that um, the special circumstance of a school zone and the societal interest in protecting children from people driving too fast in a school zone yep. sort of um, justifies the cameras being present. Candidly, I don't think they should be there. I, I think I, I, I'm not comfortable with the whole speed camera sure. uh, philosophy, but if you put them on the highway and indiscriminately they're knocking off people speeding on the highway. I just think it casts too broad of a net. I think um, if any governmental entity attempted to do that in any state, you'd have the ACLU and all sorts of people protesting that it's okay. unconstitutional. And yeah. I would agree with that. I think it would be a, a disaster. Mm -hmm. Folks, again, um, 
we speak with our legal expert attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, uh, next um, story I just want to touch on is this business, and this is interesting. Where after Brian Walsh, people are questioning should Google have warned the police of an impending murder, and they point to you know other social media companies, if it's Facebook, whoever. Sometimes that there's a, a sometimes in real time Facebook Live, someone shows it doing themselves, you know, some kind of a violent act. Facebook immediately takes it down. What about the concept that people are questioning why didn't Google do something if, in fact, this guy was, you know, this was he was Googling how long for a body decomposes, how to dispose of a body and, and so forth? Well, I, I don't think Google has any obligation, nor should they, to share anything on that platform with uh, uh, police authorities. Um, that would be unusually invasive. And yep. so let's assume that I want to Google, not me, anyone wants to Google something along those lines. I mean, what are the thought police going to be banging on my front door saying, what right. are you looking at these types of websites for? Yeah. I think there was a case, I think it was in New York, where some individual was going online, you know, looking up, I forget if it was some deviant behavior, torture, something of the like, and it got reported. And the guy had no intention of carrying out what he was Googling it was, he said, it was for fantasy purposes. He wanted mm. to look at those types of images or read those types of stories. Um, and he got into a lot of criminal um, difficulty uh, mm. based upon the thought police saying, You looked at these websites, you know, you're a danger. Um, it really is. Some, like something out of 1984 that if you go on these websites we're going to report you uh, in this case would it have helped would it have saved a life um, no I think she was already deceased at the time right. he did this but let's assume that anyone is reading about this Walsh case and said hmm how long does it take a body to start you know decomposing um Somebody wants to look it up and say, what, what was this guy looking at? What's the answer to these questions? Right. Um, does that mean you're now going to be um, receiving a visit from, you know, police authorities, from the thought police? Yeah. I, I think it's completely um, inappropriate, just as I think it was inappropriate for um, Twitter and Facebook to be tagging what they thought was, quote unquote, disinformation. Right. So they become the arbiters of truth and the arbiters yep. of what you're allowed to read. They become the censor. And I think their role in that regard was equally um, offensive and totally sure. inappropriate. Yeah. As far as Google's involvement, I mean, I, I think they, they are serving a purpose because their Google searches. That's what the police are, are using. They were able to obtain what his Google searches were. Um, it's not like if you search something and, and it immediately, you know, evaporates and then police can't track it. Even if you erase it, it's very obvious the police have the technology to then go inside the device and see what it is. So I, I think in, in that regard, you know, that's that's the extent that Google is doing. But, you know, you, you raise a very strong point. I know with the Idaho college, there were a lot of online sleuths and you have people all over trying to 
look at and figure out, you know, how could someone do that or that type of thing. It, it, it could open up a lot if then those individuals suddenly um, ran into well, trouble. Well, the, the thing is, too, I mean, the people who are saying what's Google's obligation, Google, I think, has no obligation to report, uh-oh, somebody was on our website looking up such and such. Right. Um, if the police have probable cause to think a particular individual is engaged in a crime and based upon their probable cause, they get a search warrant. Now they get yep. the laptop. Now they see where this individual has been like with this guy Walsh. Now they find out where he's been visiting. It's mm. the police getting the information about Google searches based upon a, a appropriate search warrant. It's not Google divulging the information preemptively right. to law enforcement. Yeah. Um, quick break. Much more ahead. Our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals, help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial, 401 434-1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for, for you through a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401-434-1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself, you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401-434-1510. Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors. With our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, it's not every day that you see a headline that a uh, Rhode Island uh, counselor, Rhode Island attorney is being disbarred. Uh, I'm just, I am curious what, what? If anything, your reaction, what you can tell us about it, or just kind of what stands out in this particular case? Well, these things happen from time to time. Um, it's always unfortunate. It, it, in, when you read about these things, and they do pop up from time to time, it seems like it's individuals who either get involved with gambling or narcotics, an attorney yeah. who gets involved with gambling, uh, an attorney who gets involved in narcotics. And it seems that gambling is really the big thing. There's been a number of attorneys who have been disbarred because they start taking clients' money. I, mm. I know anecdotally there's been lawyers who do closings and they'll intercept the proceeds from the closing. And instead of sending the all of the money to the bank to pay off a mortgage, let's say when a house is being bought and sold, they take the money because either they've got to square an account with whoever, or they're chasing, you know, chasing a win against a series of losses. And, you know, when you read about these things, people who start doing that, they start, well, I'm going to take the money 
and I'll put it back next week, you know, right. after I have a score at the casino and the score never comes. And then you start kiting the money. And before you know it, you, you just can't replace it. Um, then you start lying to clients and you start mm. doing all these things and it just snowballs and eventually it catches up. Um, and I think in this case, this uh, individual had a um, issue with gambling, I think was his particular problem. Other times it's, you know, other things. Um, many years ago, you know, a lawyer got jammed up because he started going to strip joints and spending all his money on the dancers. And, mm. you know, that's a recipe for disaster. And again, starts taking client money to um, fund what was going on at the clubs. There's any number of things that can get an attorney in trouble, but typically it's a money issue. And most of the cases that I see, it's gambling that is the, um, at the heart of it. Mm. Most um, I mean, I know that like in politics, a lot of people I've seen stuff written and they'd like to, kind of romanticize a little bit of like, oh, the cool moose, Bob Healy, who I knew and I was friendly with. I knew Bob for almost 20 years. Oh, you know, he was so unique and so forth. But but at the same token, he, he, he was an attorney. And one of his, you tell me, but I, I if I remember, one of his good friends came out and said that he had trusted him with his trust and, and meaning with, with, you know, finances. And, and there's definitely even after his death, some unanswered questions about that. Well, yeah, Bob, we all thought, I mean, Bob was a very bright guy. Um, right. He was um, a character, to say the least. But after he passed away and people start saying, where's my money? It became evident that there was an apparent miss of about $450,000. Mm. Um, had he lived and had his clients um, complained, um, he would have had problems. He would have yeah. had problems, uh, criminal problems, potentially. He would have had problems with his license. He would have had problems with disciplinary counsel because he was moving money around for his own benefit. Folks, again, we're speaking with our legal analyst, attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, our next story, this is an interesting one out of Charahoe where they, they um, some of the, they, they want to replace on the school committee. This, if I understand this correctly, this, this could end up in, in front of the Rhode Island Supreme Court. It's a very unusual case, and yeah. it's, it's sort of um, inside baseball with local rules in Richmond. Uh, this involves the Charahoe Regional School Committee, which is... Um, Charleston, Richmond, and Hopkinton, and one of the members of the school committee resigned to take a position in Washington or something. Now, there's two schools of thought. There's some Richmond charter or Richmond rule that says if someone on the school committee dies or resigns, uh, the next highest vote-getter from the school committee election would get the seat. Um, this, the town solicitor is of the opinion that it doesn't go to the second highest vote getter, 
but that um, the town can appoint who it wants to that seat. And there's two different factions. One is looking to appoint a conservative individual. Um, the second highest vote getter, to my recollection, was a more um, liberal-leaning individual. Right. And the stakes are high as to which individual gets the seat. And I believe the Supreme Court is going to be called upon to, to determine which set of rules controls. Mm-hmm. You've got the town solicitor saying, we don't have to appoint the second highest vote getter. You've got the attorney for the second highest vote getter saying the rules say that she gets the seat. Um, I don't know who's right. I mean, I'm not that familiar with all these local ordinances and home rule charters that might exist for uh, the town of Richmond, but it's definitely going to wind up in the Supreme Court and they're going to have to decide which set of rules controls here. Um, It's a very unique situation to say the least. Mm. Folks, again, we're speaking with our legal analyst, attorney Tim Dodd. It does seem odd, Tim, that they're trying to figure out because it, it seems clear as to, to what the rules are, but um, it's just now a matter of, of which ones they're going to go after. I also, just two other quick stories. Alec Murtad, this is a big high-profile trial, the uh, 21, 2021 killing of his wife and son as an attorney. It's, it's, a, it's a ghastly trial. It's getting national attention. It's still fluid right now. At first blush, I'm just curious to hear the thoughts of uh, Attorney Tim Dodd. Well, it's it's when he was getting jammed up and had to leave his law firm, and it was clear that he was uh, allegedly misappropriating funds from the firm, and he might have always been a suspect, but the cops never had a sufficient amount of information to charge him with um, the murder of his wife and his son. Um, they now believe they have sufficient evidence to prosecute him. It, it sounds like this guy's world completely fell apart. Yeah. Um, you know, professionally, financially, and, you know, we thought a year ago that this poor guy came home to find his wife and son right. murdered. And now it appears that so he's bad. at least being charged with wow. being the guy. Uh, I don't really know how this one will play out. I don't know if this guy takes the stand. I don't know if he has an alibi. I mean, I'm sure in his local community or in his state, this is getting more specific coverage. We are getting parts of the trial but I'm not fully familiar with what his defense really is. It seems yeah. like a tough case to prove. Right. Uh, and finally, Tim Dodd, again, we have some time on this, but this is uh, a little, I think it's interesting as far as a uh, trial date has now been set April 3rd, a lawsuit by three Westfield uh, firefighters who alleged the fire department retaliated against them for cooperating with law enforcement. This could get ugly. Could get ugly. And, and again, it's the local rules and the law in uh, Connecticut will dictate how this shakes out. But if these guys are being retaliated against for cooperation, it, it sounds like it's similar to, let's say, a whistleblower case where the guys who assist in bringing down the bad guys um, if they are retaliated against, and this isn't really a whistleblower case, but I'm analogizing, um, 
those individuals typically do either A, get their jobs back, or B, get compensation for the losses that they're going to sustain going forward. So based on my knowledge of that case, I think these uh, firefighters um, are looking good in terms of winning their case and um, probably getting a pretty significant monetary award, John. Mm. Um, we're going to monitor things with the Dolan case. Folks, he's our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodds. Tim, excellent job as always, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. Take care. Get the most of your outdoor space with Limitless Outdoors. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors, they specialize in patios, walkways, steps. They did a fantastic job on my outside steps. Outdoor kitchens, landscape lighting, retaining walls, lawn installations, excavation. Call Limitless Outdoors today. Let's dream, build, and enjoy. 401-580-1852. Based in Smithfield, Limitless Outdoors. They also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces. Limitless Outdoors. Call them today. Free quote. Get the most of your outside. You're going to love what they can do for you. 401-580-1852. 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors. Dream. Build. Enjoy. To the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, DePietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live, or YouTube, or Twitter. It's all right there at the website, dipetro.com. And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there. Folks, it all starts by logging on at dipetro.com. And on the left-hand side, you can always listen live. Again, all our links, everything begins and ends right there at the website, dipetro.com. remain healthy stop in and see marie at it's my health 1099 mendon road in cumberland you can also look for her on facebook but call her 401-305-3585 you know the building it's that historic white church diagonally across from davenport restaurant it's my health what do you find inside well first of all great service great selection vitamins herbal remedies from trusted companies local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and CBD products, natural skin care. It's my health. Poppin' and see Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. There's things for your pets. There's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health, 1099 
Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie, 401-305-3585, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant.